following sermon audio is from Love City Church, Cincinnati. More audio and information about Love City Church can be found at www.mylovecitychurch.org. So tonight we are going to continue in the Curious series by answering the question, Are all religions essentially the same? But to answer that question, we need to first understand what religion is. By Webster's definition, religion is the belief in a god or in a group of gods. An organized system of beliefs, ceremonies, and rules used to worship a god or a group of gods. This would include things like Islam, Christianity, Judaism, Buddhism, Hinduism, and some would even consider atheism. But in order to really answer this question, are all religions essentially the same, I think we need to take it a step further and ask why people have these beliefs. Why do I have this system? Why do I follow these ceremonies? Why do I follow these rules? Uh, As uh, Rabbi Zacharias puts it this way, at the heart of every religion is an uncompromising commitment to a particular way of defining who God is or is not and accordingly, of defining life's purpose. Religion is the framework for which people answer the question that's on every man's heart. Questions like, why is there suffering? How did we get here? What happens when we die? Questions that direct our search for our purpose and direct our search for our creator. In many ways, Religions are similar. So if you can go ahead and open up to Psalm 19 real quick. This is a Davidic psalm. I'm going to start at the very beginning, so just find it and stay there. Mine's page 534 if you're interested. So, this is different. Uh, So, uh, all religions are essentially... Um, asking the same types of questions, and they're all very similar and familiar. And Psalms 19 kind of gets to this. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour out speech. Night after night they communicate knowledge. There is no speech. There are no words. Their voice is not heard. Their message has gone out to all the earth, and all the, words, all the words to the end of the world. Mankind, this, what this is saying is that mankind, us as a whole, we are surrounded by a creation that is declaring constantly the glory of its creator. So you can see this when you go and you see that waterfall. It's a classic example. You go out, you see this awesome waterfall, and you just know that there's a creator, and this is calling for the glorification of the creator. This is the idea of general revelation. But all the religions that we see today are different ways that people are answering the question of who that creator is or is not. So now that we kind of have a ballpark understanding of where we're coming from um, and what religions are, and what they have in common, let's look at a few religions and deal with a specific example of difference. A few weeks ago, Pastor Vince talked about, if God is good, why is there so much suffering in the world? 
great sermon. Um, I'm going to use suffering as an example for how these religions are different from each other. So first, we're going to start with Islam. Islam, which is the religion of the Muslims, a monotheistic faith, regarded and revealed through Muhammad as prophet of Allah. It's the, the Quran is going to be the most recent and last needed book of authority. All the other ones before it, like the Bible, New Old, Hebrew Bible, New Old Testament, are all have all been compromised and changed, and the Quran is the new official, unchanging, uncompromised word, and Muhammad is the one who brought that to us. Islam takes suffering as a way of paying back what is owed to Allah because of sin in your life. More importantly, more importantly, only you can overcome that sin, and no one else can suffer for you. This is done through living out the five pillars of Islam, which you have faith in Allah alone, so there's no other God but Allah, ritual prayer that is performed five times a day by facing Mecca, alms given to the mosque and the poor, fasting throughout Ramadan, which is going to be no food or liquids from sun up to sun down during the ninth month of the year, and pilgrimage to the holy city of Mecca at least once in your lifetime called the Haji. So, just looking at that, we do have a couple of things right off the bat that are very similar. Okay, there is only one God, and we have faith in him alone. That sounds a lot like Christianity. Ritual prayer, we don't have to face a certain way and pray, but we are encouraged to pray. We are expected to give alms to the poor. We are expected to help support the church. We are expected to live a fasted lifestyle, but we don't really have the pilgrimage thing. Kind of nice, because that be, sounds expensive. Um, so... <laughs> Same, and it's like, it's Saudi Arabia, you have to be a Muslim to go to this place. It's a lot of stuff, uh, and it'll be a lot of work. Uh, The next thing that we're going to talk about is Buddhism. Buddhism, which is a religion of Eastern and Central Asia, growing out of the teachers of Guhatma Buddha, and is that suffering is inherent in the life, and that one can be liberated liberated from it by mental and moral self-purification. The focus is overcoming the suffering. Suffering was the key, suffering was the key to the original Buddha's reaching of enlightenment, the end stage. He passed along that path, he's passed along the path that he took to do that in something called the Four Noble Truths. So this is, again, these are high-level explanations of what these are, but you can kind of see how suffering goes through them. Uh, The Four Noble Truths. First one is that this is pain. You have to understand pain. This is the origin of pain. This is where pain comes from. This is the cessation of pain. Pain is no longer, and perhaps the most important one, the path leading to the cessation of pain. So suffering was the way of getting through his life correctly. So we see some similarities again here. Christianity, yeah, we got a little bit of pain that we're dealing with. Suffering's in there, and then not a whole lot more. Um, So Hinduism is the next one we're going to look at. Hinduism is the common... Hinduism is the common religion of India, being diversified in character with many schools of philosophy, theology, many popular cults, uh, large pantheons symboling many attributes of a single God. For Hinduism, suffering is to help the individual reach and become part of the one, ending the cycle of rebirth, moksha. It is not about someone taking care of your sins, but you living a life that lets you reach the true infinite. This goes hand in hand with the belief in karma. 
So the rule that you have to pay the, that you have a debt that needs to be paid out in your life to even out the scales to stop this cycle of rebirth unless you reach the end. Now, there are some similarities between Hinduism and Christianity as well, as we can probably see. Karma, Christians don't believe in karma. We don't believe that there is a cosmic scale that we have to weigh out in order for an end goal to be reached. But we do believe in the law of sowing and reaping. We believe that the deeds that we put out there are the deeds that we'll replace. So there are things and similarities in there, just slight perversions of what the Christian truth would be. Now, all of these religions are focusing on what the individual does to overcome suffering and end up where they want to be. But suffering is not the same in each case. So you have Islam, and Islam uses suffering as a means of payment to negate the sins that are in your life. So it's not like Christianity where, well, I don't want to spoil it. We won't go that far down there. But it's, <laughs> but no. So Islam, it, it's very much works. It's I'm suffering for a purpose. Um, the Buddhists use suffering as a path of understanding to escape this world. This is something that you have to go through to reach this next stage to go out of that. So again, you focused through it. The Hindu uses suffering as a way to cancel the cycle of rebirth. Karma has suffering built into it. And it is at this practice, and it is at this price that it must be paid over time. Now, this obviously is different than Christianity. So if you would, turn to Genesis 3. First book there for you. So, quick heads up here for Genesis 3. So, Genesis 1, we have creation, seven days. Genesis 2, we have a, re, a rewording of creation again, which gets a little bit more detailed on certain parts of creation. And then we get into the end of 2, the beginning of 3. We have the temptation of Eve and Adam, which it leads to the fall. We hear Love City called the, the bad news. So, then the fall happens. God searches. God finds them. He puts a curse on a serpent. He puts a curse on... On the woman, and then we're going to pick up in verse 17 where he talks to Adam. And he said to Adam, Because you listened to your wife's voice and ate from the tree which I commanded you, do not eat from. The ground is cursed because of you. You will eat, for, you will eat from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life. This will, this will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. You will eat bread by the sweat of your brow until, the return, until you return to the ground, since you were taken from it. For you are dust, and you will return to dust. So, as Christians, this is the beginning of suffering for us. We sinned against God. Dealing with that sin against God leads to this suffering right here where we have to work. We have to, well, work's not suffering, but we have to toil with the ground. We're going to be dying. We're going to be going back into the dust from which we became. There's a really cool thing you can do with trees when you die now, too, if you want to look into that later. As Christians, we understand that this is the source of suffering for our sin that we talked about a couple weeks ago. But as Christians, we know that God has an answer for suffering. Because of the cross, we know that what Romans 5 says is true when we read it. So let's go ahead and turn there real quick to Romans 5. Sorry for jumping around a lot here. This is not a 
topic that is conclusive to just one set of verses straight through. So we're going to go to Romans 5. So Romans 5, starting at 1. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope that is the glory of God. And not only that, we, are also, we also rejoice in our afflictions, because we know that our affliction produces endurance, and endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. See, suffering is not, in a, when you're looking at it from the Christian's perspective, suffering is not payment for our sin, it's a consequence of sin. And the answer to that is Christ has redeemed that suffering. So, as you see from this example, not all religions understand and explain suffering the same way. Uh, but they all have some sort of answer to the question. Every one of these religions thinks that their answer, uh, every one of these religions think that their answer to these questions are the correct ones. I mean, obviously, or else they wouldn't have those answers. Another way that we see religion today is shown in a different example, though. There is a story found in Jainism, which is a religion founded in India in the 6th century that has really no central godhead. It goes as follows. So just kind of listen on and see if you can picture this. It starts off in a village. Once upon a time, there lived six blind men in a village. One day, the villagers told him, Hey, there's an elephant in the village today. They had no idea what an elephant was. They decided, even though we would not be able to see it, let us go and feel it anyways. All of them went there where the elephant was. Every one of them touched the elephant. Hey, this elephant is like a pillar, said the first man who touched his leg. Oh no, it's like a rope, said the second man who was, who was touching the tail. Oh no, it's like a thick branch of a tree, said the third man who was touching the trunk of the elephant. It's like a big hand fan, said the fourth man who was touching the ear of the elephant. It's like a huge wall, said the fifth man who was touching the belly of the elephant. And it's like a solid pipe, said the sixth man who was touching the tusk of the elephant. They began to argue about, what, about the elephant, and every one of them insisted that they were right. It looked like they were getting agitated as a wise man passed by and saw this. He stopped and asked them, what's the matter? They said, we can't agree on what this elephant is like. Each one of them told what they thought the elephant was like, and the wise men calmly explained to them, all of you are right. The reason every one of you is telling, the reason is every one of you is telling it differently because each one of you touched a different part of the elephant. So, actually, the elephant has all the features from what all of you said. Oh, everyone said. There was no more fight. Everyone felt happy and was all right. Now, this is a common theme. It's something you'll talk about in most religion classes. It's part of a hierarchy of religions. But 
the main point that this story is trying to get across is to convince us that all religions are ultimately pointing to the same universal answers to the questions that we had talked about at the beginning, as in what is suffering, who is the creator, things like that. See, Islam is holding the trunk of this elephant. Buddhism is holding the belly of this elephant. Hinduism is holding the tusks. Atheists probably holding nothing at all, and Christianity is left holding the tail. Um, This is an Eastern concept that started to be prevalent in America around the 1900s with the spread of Hinduism. But it's definitely in our culture today. You You can see it everywhere. Religion is viewed as a way to reach a desired goal. And whatever system you believe, live it out accordingly. For instance, it would not be unheard of for you to run into a Hindu and say, hey, you should, you should know about Jesus Christ. And they'll listen to you and they'll listen to you and they say, that's awesome that you live there and that you were born in that time frame and this is the belief system that you have. You should live out that system because you're building up good merit. And maybe when you're reborn, you'll be born into a Hindu area to where you can reach a higher level of moksha. So there's this unification there on that side, but obviously they don't fit together. But as you can see, how they handle the issue of suffering, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, and Christianity, there is no way that each one of these can be true. As a Christian, believing that Jesus Christ died for my sins so that I might become part of the righteousness of God, God does not fit in the fit on the same elephant that will keep you living until your debt is paid. You can't find a different part of the elephant that's going to hold those two beliefs. You're holding two different elephants. A, A Christian is right if you die and you go to judgment and the only thing that can save you is Jesus. A Hindu would be right if when you die, if when the Christian died, he was reborn into someone else who has a better chance of reaching moksha. Those two are mutually exclusive, meaning they cannot be true, both be true. These questions, the questions that all religions are trying to answer are the same, but they lead to a different outcome. Now, if we know that all religions are trying to answer the same questions, but do so differently, we know that all religions are not the same, and they cannot all be true. So if all religions are not the same, the next question would have to be, which religion is true? When it comes to this question, we here at Love City believe that the answer is Christianity. Now, have you ever tried to think of why you... Let me ask you this question. If someone came up to you and they said, what makes Christianity true instead of another religion true? Now, now we're not talking about, yeah, it's true that they have a structure, belief systems, there's a God. We're talking about if all of these religions are up, you have a false religion, a false religion, a false religion, true religion. What makes Christianity true and not the other? What's the answer you're going to give? Are you going to say that because Jesus died on the cross, Christianity's true? Are you going to say because of why Christianity is true? Well, after thinking about this and thinking about this and talking it through, it was the simplest thing for me. The reasons that we believe that Christianity are true is as we talked about earlier in Romans 19, we have an innate idea that there is a creator 
and that creation itself is pouring out, is pouring out to us. So go back a couple pages in Romans here to Romans 1. Romans 1, verse 20, so New Testament here says, For his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. It's there. It's a general revelation. All of us know that these questions are there. All of us know that creation is pointing to a creator. You can't get to the smallness of a cell and the complexity that's there and not think that there's not a creator. So the creation calling out for those things. So we are understood that we are being made. Then comes the next step, which is from general revelation to special revelation, which makes us Christians. And that is because we have faith in the truth of the Bible. You see, if this wasn't true, we shouldn't be Christians. All of us know that this is true. Vince did a fantastic sermon on why we can trust the Bible. I'm not going to re-preach it. This is true. And because this is true, we know that Jesus Christ came and died on our cross for our sins. This is the truth that pulls it all together that answers this question. It answers the question that God is creator. If the Bible is not true, then we should not be Christians. You see, Christianity is the only, re- is the only religion that is true. All the other religions are trying to grasp falsely at the truth of the Bible and falling short. It is our faith in the truth of the Bible that lets us know that God is creator and that he has a plan. We can see in Romans 8. So let's go right there. Last time we're jumping around here. We can see in Romans 8 the following, starting at verse 8. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God lives in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. We believe in the truth of the Bible. We believe what the Bible says is true. That means through this verse right here in Romans 9, we believe in something called the exclusivity of Christ. We know that the only way to heaven is through Christ, which means you cannot tell me, follow Christ, and if you do your good merits, your rebirth will lead to a better thing, a better chance next time. It means you can't tell me you have to suffer well, and you'll keep suffering, and you'll keep suffering, and then eventually you'll be at the point where you can leave this life and not come back. You can't tell me that I have to do good works to combat all the suffering and all the sins that I've done here and do these ritualistic things this way and this way and this way to please God when I get there, when the Bible clearly says the only way that you can get to heaven is through the Spirit of Jesus Christ living in your heart. This is why our religions aren't essentially the same. You're pointing out the simple fact that you have a belief in the truth of the gospel. See, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God lives in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong in him. See? 
If you do not have the spirit of Christ, then you are not a Christian. This is what the exclusivity of Christianity is and that all the religions aren't Christian. The Bible says plainly in John 3 that God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Not a version, not a, a replica, a false reaching, or a false enactment of it. See, God has a plan for creation. It's to point to the glory of the creator. We glorify the true God because we are part of Christianity. And all other religions are shadows and alterations that try to explain what all of us, what's on all of our hearts and evident in creation, that there is a God and he wants to be known and he wants to be glorified. See, when you think about this issue, it's very easy to become classroom-centric, very easy to say, let's use a chart and say, Islam, these things, Judaism, these things, Christianity, these things, and go across. But you're missing the big thing that goes across the whole top, and they're all trying to answer the same questions. They're all getting to the root of the matter, which is what we see in creation. The atheist is saying, yeah, that doesn't prove the creator. The Hindu is saying, oh, there's suffering here, and the suffering obviously means I have to get to a point beyond suffering so that I can be somewhere else. The Buddhist, very similar. The two religions are really close. You have, you have Islam, which is focusing on trying to have suffering that you do on earth mean something. And Christianity is saying something different. We're saying that suffering has an answer, and it's that Christ has redeemed it. And we can trust in Christ and be a Christian because of the truth of the Bible. And that's how this works apologetically. And that's how this works when someone says, aren't all Christians, I mean, aren't all religions essentially the same thing? No. What's the end goal of your religion? What's the end goal of what you're trying to do? Because the end goal of ours comes from the truth of this. And this is the true religion because of that faith. And because of that faith, we love Jesus Christ who came, died, rose again, and took our sins. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak on this topic that's so heavy on my heart. I pray that these things reach out and these things grow deep. That this isn't something that you have to go to school forever to understand. This isn't something that you have to take classes and listen to podcasts and read books and just focus over and over again. But this is something that you've been so awesome to put in plain sight for all of us. We all know that creation is calling out for your glory, and we all know that we're part of that creation calling out for that glory as well. And we thank you for the ability to understand your word, for the ability to be able to listen for the ability to be able to think this through because we serve a God who is great, who is good, and who makes sense. We thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Love City Church, located in Cincinnati, Ohio. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To give or find out more about Love City Church, visit www.mylovecitychurch.org.